Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Tour Life. Uh, this week, a little bit late. We're a little delayed here. We're a little uh, on the pausey pause, but we do have a lot of good stuff, good topics and stuff like that to go over. Uh, Yuli, how are you feeling, man? It's a Thursday. We normally do this on Wednesday. It's a Thursday. How are we feeling? I don't know how I'm feeling, man. This overseas crud has got me all all wonky. I mean, it's light out. And what is it? It's 830. And it looks like it's yeah. 12 in the day. And it's like noon. Yep. And yep. I don't know. It's It's been a bizarre week. But I feel pretty good, man. I mean, the courses are sweet. Got a lot of practice in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I mean, you can practice all the whole day. Yeah. Uh, we are currently in just outside of Nokia, Finland. <coughs> Excuse me for the European open this week. I actually will be probably doing some practice putting when we finish recording this and it will probably be like 10 30 at night and I will have plenty of daylight. It'll be very nice. Um, but yeah, thanks so much everyone for, you know, the flexibility this week. It, it is tough with the, obviously majors and stuff like that. And I think in the future of the show, maybe once me and Yuli kind of hang up the discs and uh, maybe fit into the podcasting role a little bit more, uh, an event like the European Open, we we probably want to try to do a little bit more and more extensive, sit down with a few more people, have some conversations with some people, give a lot more content. But obviously, me and Yuli are trying to win the event. So that balancing act between the two, it's a little bit difficult. So we, we appreciate everyone that kind of bear with us with, um, you know, being a little bit flexible with the scheduling of the podcast itself. With that being said though, today's episode is brought to you by double G jerky. They have tons of flavors to choose from, including hot boom sauce, garlic lovers, dream teriyaki or smash crack cracked pepper. They offer one ounce bags as well, which are perfect for a player pack or to go on the course with you in your bag. Every bag also is sold helps every bag that's sold helps promote youth disc golf with the double G children's foundation. They have been able to provide discs and baskets for inner city children and have donated thousands of dollars to families in need. They also offer subscriptions to have the best jerky delivered to you every month. Choose from the three, six, or even the 12 month option as well. So go back, go pick up some double G jerky and use code foundation for 10% off your next order. Always uh, appreciate Double G Jerky for sponsoring the show. So, all right, we will jump right into it with the PCS Open recap. It feels like it happened so long ago, but there are so many storylines that we have to cover what went down in Norway last week. We'll start off on the MPO side with Paul McBeth, man, coming out, shooting the course record, the final round, 13 under shooting 29 under for the uh, tournament and really just kind of putting a pounding on the rest of the, uh, the rest of the field there. Uh, really impressive show. Now, what were your thoughts on the, did, did you see the, we have it pulled up right now for our YouTube watchers, but did you see the trophy? Did you, oh, yeah. are you, a world, are you a world of Warcraft fan? No, I don't know what that is. You don't Probably know what wow is? Crushed. Oh my God. You might get crushed in the comments. You don't know yeah, what I'm wow is. You're going to get crushed. Uh, yeah. it, it might be the identical, um, the identical weapon in world of Warcraft called the shadow mourn. Um, war, I believe it's, uh, 
the third World Warcraft or something like that. But regardless, it was it was one another another kind of interesting, unique trophy. One that probably will be very difficult for him to bring back to the United States. I don't even know. Have you talked to him on how he's planning on bringing that back with him? <laughs> no. He's going to have to like hijack a plane with that thing or something. Yeah. What do you, I don't know what you, I don't know what you do with that. Um, but yeah, looking at the leaderboard, you know, a couple things kind of jumped out at me, right? The first one is there was only one European in the top 10 and that was Yarma uh, Friedrichsen, who I actually played with today at the European open uh, 16 year old kid throws um throws lefty backhand righty forehand similar to like zach arlinghouse uh yeah. very nasty very nasty but he was the only Pretty he was sweet. the only Ma- max max nichols throws it like that too like there it seems like it's like a weird thing where a lot of Lefties. lefty backhands throws left righty sidearms Anyway, go ahead. I, I just think it's hilarious that there's multiple of these of these people out there. Yeah, I, I don't. Is there a righty backhand, lefty forehand? Is have you <laughs> seen that? I mean, he's out there. I know he's out there. She's out okay. there, but I don't. I've never seen him. Yeah, he's listening right now. He's like, they're talking about me. They're talking about me. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was the only only uh, only European in the top ten. Uh, a leaderboard that was just littered with. Americans up and down and good showings from a lot of people as well. And I would say this is maybe in the past several events, this might've been the most top heavy leaderboard we've seen. It seems like all kind of the big names all played really, really well at this event. Paul Macbeth, obviously taking it down, but James Proctor had a great showing finishing in second five shots out. Now I thought the interesting thing with the James Proctor Paul Macbeth kind of battle there was James James Proctor shot even par on the back nine. Paul shot six under on the back nine. He ended up losing by five. That's that was the swing right there. He was yeah. he was in it. He was in contention in a perfect position to potentially take down a big win. And uh, the back nine. Speaking of which, back nine was the hardest back nine this season. From yeah, I I love this stat from Statmando because a lot of times we look at the entire like we use like strokes. We'll, we'll, obviously, strokes gains fine, but we use these like stats that encompass the entire field. And you know, Paul shot twenty nine under par. There was someone that shot forty eight over par, forty three over par, forty over thirty seven. I mean, there 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 were some people in this field, obviously being in Norway, that you know, weren't your standard tour, touring pro level of players. So I love this stat by stat Mando. Cause it's the back nine for disc golf pro tour, uh, card holders. So he just took card holders and this back nine averaged, um, 0.35 over par, which made it wow. the hardest back nine that we've played elite or majors this season, which to me, I love the back nine in this course. I thought it was, I thought it was a great finishing back nine because you go out, you get your birdies, you get your scoring on the front and then you freaking hold on for life on the back. And Paul yeah. just took it, took it down. Six under on the back nine is a nasty score. Very nasty. What, what was crazy is you were talking about Proctor. He actually had a two stroke lead after the first two, I believe. So he mm-hmm. actually lost seven strokes in 16 holes to Macbeth. That's a lot. That's a lot to give up right there. So he was in 
he had it. He kind of had it in his, his grasp for a second and then it slipped away. Paul took it. You can't give that guy life because as soon as it happens, man, he takes it. Good momentum boost for him going into this weekend too. Yeah. And I think this kind of, this kind of shows what we've been talking about all, all season is Paul, Paul hasn't gotten worse. Paul isn't a worse disc golfer. When he plays well, his good, his best stuff is good enough to win. The issue that people are having a hard time wrapping their head around is no longer can Paul go out or Ricky or anyone Eagle go out and have their C game and win. You can't, you can't do that anymore. And we're seeing that we're kind of seeing that with Calvin every single week. He's in contention every, every single week. And he's, he's getting like third, four seconds a lot, but he's really the best player because he's the most consistent player, but he's still not winning every single time. Somebody, it seems like somebody else is jumping up every other week and taking it down. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a few wins, but I think you're right in, in that. And that's a good point is, I mean, look at the best player I feel like in the world right now, which is Calvin and he's not winning a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, I think if Calvin didn't have a few wins under his belt, I think that he, there would be a lot more, um, there would be a lot more question marks with him, right? Like, does he have this right. stuff to win? Like, what's his deal? Did he crack under pressure? But he wins. His issue is like, he's just so consistent and it's so hard to win that he's always up there Yeah. versus the players that are inconsistent. And so they're either in contention or they're nowhere near. And so people are like, oh, he's had an off, off, off week versus, you know, Calvin has to deal with like, oh, wow. He, another one, he let go. He didn't win. Um, a little bit, a little bit trickier on his side. Uh, size. Can you actually show, um, John Mar? I, I don't want to say his, I feel like his, his name is so hard to pronounce. John Mar. I think the H is silent. Can you, can you pull up the, uh, the disc golf pro I, tour video? I, I kind of sidetracked you there. Sorry about the Macbeth comment. And what no, you're, you're fine. Doing. No, 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 you're completely fine. I just, we were talking about him being the only top 10. He's 16 year old kid. And I just wanted to show, I don't know how good this video is for the people watching. Oh, was that him today? Yes. He aced hole two and he was like frozen in shock. He was the last one to throw on the tee. So, you know, he throws as soon as he throws, I start walking. It skips up, goes in and I turn around. He's just staring at me, not doing anything. And I'm like, I'm like, that went in, dude. I gave him a big high five and stuff. And then he, he was still polite too. Like we get, we get up to like uh, our diss and stuff. He's like, should I go up and get, and we're like, go dude. And everyone was giving him applause and stuff. It was, it was a really cool moment. And I mean, awesome, awesome start or way to start your, th- this has to be his first major 16 years old, right? This has to be his first major. Who knows? Who knows what these yeah, kids these days. Yeah, but I just wanted to make sure we gave him his due for that ace on hole two today. It was a very, very cool shot. Um, but yeah, going back to the leaderboard, I was just saying this is a very this was a very top heavy leaderboard, one that we haven't seen in some time, I feel like. You have Paul, James, Calvin, Eagle, Ricky, James Conrad, Adam Hammies, uh, Matthew, Matty O, and then Gooseman all in the top ten. So, no, no, no. This is uh last week. You're good. You're good. We're not, we're not talking about European open. We got, we got <laughs> Gossage just walking in right now. Um, 
Yeah, no. So it was, it was a pretty, pretty stellar top 10. And then Yuli, you snuck yourself into almost a top 10 situation. One stroke out at 11th. How did you, uh, how did it feel kind of putting yourself back into a spot to where you, you know, you might've been maybe a few strokes out going into the final round to where you thought maybe, you know, you have the round of your life may who knows. Right. But how did it feel kind of putting yourself back into where, you know, a top five and even a top 10 was, was in reach. It felt good. Honestly, it was tough because I've been like playing pretty well lately. And that I think that the PCS was one of the more frustrating tournaments that I had because I played a lot better than I scored. And I was just, I never felt like happy after any, any of my rounds. Um, I felt like I was throwing the disc as good as everybody. I was making every single putt and I just, I'm having a big, a real hard time scoring right now even though I feel like I'm playing great, I'm just not scoring, you know? And mm. so that was really frustrating after the round I got done and I felt like a six under, but I had started the round off. I parred one and birdie the, the next six. And then yeah. I finished at six under. So, you know, it's tough to like get off the course and feel good uh, about it after a couple of days looking back. Yeah. I'm stoked. I mean, it was my best finish that I've had in a, in a couple of years, but I'm at the point right now where I don't want to like, pat myself on the back or anything. I want to keep kind of trudging forward because I'm making progress over the last few tournaments. And that's really important to me is, is to kind of start peeking towards the world championships is what, you know, I have my eyes on. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, the game, the game's looking really, really well. We'll get into what happened today at the European open in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think going back to kind of what you're talking about the course and how the course was set up, it was, it was set up in a way that if you didn't get out early, if you didn't get those yeah. birdies on the front nine, now all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I'm behind the eight ball. You start pressing a little bit on the back nine, and that's when you can find yourself getting some bogeys, doubles, triples. We saw some big numbers on some big holes on the back nine. And I thought it, it, it was a very – if I had to choose – you know, between the front nine or the back nine being more difficult, I will always choose the back nine. I think being able to have people mentally have to be on late in the round and have to worry about scores late in the round, make those decision-making. I think some of the holes too on the back nine were some of the better holes we play all season. Um, I, I absolutely loved hole, um, hole 15 loved hole 15. I thought hole 18 was a great finishing hole. And then the part, what was the really hard hole? Was that 12? 12. I think it was 12 hole. 12 is like one of the, I would say one of the better hole par fours we play all season. And it wasn't even a long par four. Like one of the rounds I went zone forehand off the tee and then threw my uh, second shot to circle two. So it's like, it wasn't even a, you know, power, blast of yeah. drive and then throw another one. It was throw in the right spot or you're going to potentially take a huge number. And I loved it. I, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about the course, um, but let's, let's switch over to FPO unless you have anything else uh, to talk about on the NPO side. No, can't wait to talk about the course for sure. Okay. So FPO, this again, kind of a small field on the FPO side, only four players ended up finishing under par. You had, um, looked like almost half the field finishing 20 over or higher. So again, it was one of those where maybe a handful, four or five women kind of had a chance to, to win this event. 
And uh, Kristen Tatar actually took down with some contention there with a little bit of a battle towards the end of the round with Missy Gannon right on her heels and um, was able to, again, not be able to uh, change Yuli's perspective on anything because she did have a lead going into the final round. So she did not come back to win. Uh, she was able to hold on. Um, but I will say like she did kind of struggle this final round. She shot, I believe two under the first round, four under the second round, and then ended up shooting even par final round and ended up taking a triple bogey on hole 15 coming in. That kind of opened the door for Missy, but Missy had some, some serious putting issues, missed a lot of putts um, that she usually doesn't miss and uh, wasn't able to capitalize on that. So she ended up uh, winning by one over Missy. Uh, That's another win. Yuli from Kristen Zatar, another one. I mean, it's, it's a broken record at this point. Um, let me, let me, let me give you a couple records that Kristen has so far here. This was put up by the, uh, DG, by DGN largest margin of victory at a major. These are all records that she has largest margin of victory at a major with the field size, a big, uh, above 30 Tatar won by 14 shots over own at champions cup. Most Euro tour wins. Uh, she has won nine Euro tour, uh, with the PCS open her ninth Euro tour with the PCS open this past weekend. She has nine, 294.25 points lead 294.25 point lead. The largest lead in disc golf pro tour history. Uh, I mean that, that, that <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's so many points. Um, and she also is currently on track to surpass the hundred thousand mark in 2023 as well. So she, uh, she became the first player to earn over a hundred thousand in 2022. And she's looking to surpass that this year as well. So she's having herself a season. She's having herself a heck of a season, man, a heck of a season. Um, but yeah, but like anything to worry about there maybe because a lot of times, you know, she kind of is in control of her game in the final round. And this was the first time it seemed like she was kind of battling a little bit with her game. She took four bogeys and a double to shoot even on the final. Is there uh, I mean, try to try to not know what you know about the European open today. Uh, try to remove that from your head, but is there any, is there any no. concern? Are you, are you adding that concern to your, like, if it's down the wire and it's close and she's in contention, a little concern. I think it comes down to as a, you know, kind of analyst, you want to, you want to reach for something there and there's really nothing there. I think what we really need to be focusing on is the rest of the field and what, what are they going to do to try to catch her? because we saw Missy get kind of close and the putt, the putt kind of failed her. You know what I mean? And one of the stats that I saw was Missy's having a great season with no wins. Um, is that right? She hasn't won, right? Maybe a, I don't think she's won. Six. Correct. No, no wins, but she does have six top fives in her last eight events. Right. She's, she's been on the lead card seven times. And then Kristen's been on eight times. I saw some stat like that today. And so when you look at those types of statistics, like mm-hmm. that's your second best player right now out there and she's not getting the job done. The rest of the field really isn't. They're sprinkling in little, little spots to get her. 
but what are the, what are the rest, what can they do? That's what we should be asking ourselves. Like what can the rest of the field do to catch Kristen? I think I think what it what Kristen is showing is that to be competitive in FPO, you need to have a complete game. You have yes. to to be competitive at every course because there's no course we go to and we think, oh man, Kristen, I don't know if she's gonna she might struggle. And there's no course every single time she goes to any event, she is the favorite. And it's because she has a complete game. She can do backhand, forehand. She's got, she's great at putting from circle one and circle two. Her upshots are great. Like she has a complete game. So someone like Missy Gannon, for example, like for Missy to get to a level to where she can potentially beat Kristen, you know, she's going to have to potentially develop a forehand. She's going to have to gain maybe a little bit extra distance off the tee. These are things that you have to start looking at Kristen's game and say, like, what does Kristen do that I do can't do? Because we all can get more consistent, right? We all strive to be more consistent. You want to be able to throw your shots more consistently off the tee. But if someone is throwing 50 or 70 feet, five feet farther than you, you can't just be like, well, I need to just get more consistent at throwing 400 feet. It's like, no, you, you need to start learning how to throw 450 feet and then try to get more yeah. consistent. And I think, I think that's what Kristen hopefully is kind of bringing up in the FPO division is everyone's skills rising. Well, I asked that because of this, because of this, I was thinking about this the other day. And I was thinking about how, because I felt like you were going to ask me this question. I, I was wondering how I'd answer it. And then it got me thinking like, okay, so put yourself in that position and what would mm-hmm. you do? And then you think about like, okay, if I was, if I was, let's say Calvin's the best player in the world, right? But I'm number two, but I'm the second best player in the world. And I don't throw a sidearm at all. And I don't make a lot of putts at all. And I see this guy ahead of me and he's beating me every time, but I'm beating everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's just obvious to me what I'm, what, what I'm supposed to do, you know? And at some points in some careers, like it's tough to learn something. It is, but it isn't impossible. And so I feel like, I really feel like the rest of the FPO division, they need to get in the field and learn that sidearm because that's a blatant, obvious thing that I see that she is outdoing with them. Sometimes everybody puts good. They all throw good backhands, but when she's able to match the angle and the flight of a path between trees and the slope with the sidearm, it just makes everything so comfortable. The three FPO players that come to mind when it comes to like throwing um, completeness, right? Backhand and forehand, Evelina, and then I would go Katrina. I think Katrina has worked on her sidearm a lot and her sidearm is a, a, is pretty manageable now. And then I would go like Haley King. And then I'd say in that mix as well, you probably have like Holland Hanley and Ella Hansen also kind of in the realm yeah. of where they both can throw the backhand and sidearm. And then it's just, you know, there's other things. It's just the experience. Can, can you, can you, you know, throw the shot when it matters. And Kristen has done it so many times now to where it, it probably just feels like any other day. And, you know, you get 
someone that hasn't really gotten over the hump yet or hasn't been able to beat Kristen yet, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder to take her down. So we'll kind of see how it goes, but it is an exciting time in FPO because like you said, if you're able to just win without having a sidearm, it's a lot harder to be like, Oh yeah, I need to go teach myself how to throw a sidearm. It, it is. Kristen is just, if I was an FPO right now, I, and I was like a top player, right. I would be getting pissed that Christian was right. winning all the time. I would be getting <laughs> pissed, grinding. you know, and, that, like, and I'm, pissed, I'm pissed right they, now that not, I'm not winning. They, yeah. They, I guarantee they're working hard and they're doing all those things, but I, I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. like analyzing it. That's what I would say. You know what I mean? And they should be pissed. You should be pissed. Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. losing like that. Um, so this was the oh, first was time we got say, to see. Uh, oh yeah, go I for didn't it. want to not mention Own Scoggin. Own Scoggin's baller, both sides. No, oh, oh yeah, the true. I think but for the complete distant. game. No, exactly. I think for the complete game, owns the closest thing we got to Kristen. I really do. It's just she doesn't yep. have the distance. But when I see, think about like if they got Short on a courses, certain course, yep. I mm-hmm. think that Own Own would be able to to match stroke for stroke. Anyways, that's a good, that's a good, very good point, actually. Um, all right. This was our first time seeing Evelina and Henna back in the field for a while. Um, I mentioned last week that they were having travel uh, visa issues. I believe they were trying to play in some events in the States, but weren't able to do it. And, you know, good showing by Evelina, you know, a really good showing Go, comes out super hot shooting 59 in the first round. And then kind of has a a not so great second round, if you will, shooting nine strokes, um, nine strokes worse than that, shooting 69 and then finishing with 63 uh, or 65 rather and finishing in third. So, you know, three shots off the lead, not a bad showing. This was kind of crazy. The last time Evelina won on tour, Waco 2020. That's with how good her game is, that seems a little bit crazy to me, but obviously we've talked about the putting and some issues there, but with how good she throws the disc, uh, throws the disc off the tee, you would think that she would have, 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 has won a couple times between now and 2020. But, um, I guess you have to be Chris and also in that time frame. So there you <laughs> yeah. go. Um, another name that I did want to mention was Ida. Did you get to see any of uh, Ida, the 15-year-old lead card? I, I did. I saw her throw one shot. What did you but think? I stopped what to was, watch. What was your? What was? Yeah, let's hear well, Yuli's. Uh, yeah, let's let's hear your breakdown people, of, her, yeah. of her throwing. Yeah, I was with a few people, and they're like, "Oh, that Ida's about to throw. She's the 15-year-old," and I'm like this is the lead card. And they're like, yeah, this is the lead card. And I'm like, Oh, I got to watch this. So we turn around and I mean, pleasantly surprised. It was good form. It was the only shot I threw, but then looking at the scores, this is what I want to see in the future. Young mm. talent coming up, playing on the lead card. Cause we're seeing it in the MPO. We haven't really seen it in the FPO. And so it was like, that is, that is something we need to see more of and, and congratulations to her for, for showing up. Yeah. Top 10. Very impressive. Beating a lot of being some really solid uh, players as well. So great, great performance for her. I'm not a huge like PDGA number guy, 
You know, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, but it is interesting with her. Her number is 181,772. So, um, yeah. Really, really young talent coming up. And is she playing the European Open? She's not. Okay. She's, we will never see her again this year. So there you have it. Well, maybe next year. Um, All right. Moving on. The big news that really dropped was the Disc Golf Pro Tour's announcement about what they were going to do with FPO moving forward. And to some, I think this maybe surprised people to others. I think they kind of saw this coming. You know, the pro tour has been in talks with the players. They always are. That is one thing I will say that the pro tour continues to do a great job of is staying in communication with players, hearing what players have to say about issues, and then, you know, being able to give information to players uh, ahead of time sometimes too, as well. So I'm just going to read through some of the main points that I saw from their announcement. I'll read most of it just cause I don't want anything kind of taken out of context and uh, I'll give my thoughts a little bit on it and then we'll move on. So uh, the disc golf pro tour adjusts schedule and media plans to protect competitive fairness in the FPO division. The FPO division is now being relocated for several events. The Disc Golf Pro Tour has adjusted its competition schedule and media plan for the remainder of the 2023 season. These adjustments have been made in order to protect competitive fairness in the FPO division and to limit financial burden in locations where the PDGA policy or eligibility for gender-based divisions may become the subject of last-minute litigation harmful to the tour. The Disc Golf Pro Tour is taking this action to ensure competitive fairness while working to maintain the operational viability of the FPO division. These adjustments include relocating the FPO division at multiple Disc Golf Pro Tour events. While the FPO division has been canceled in certain states, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is working to replace these FPO competitions with events in nearby states, as well as considering other options. These replacement events will reward the same points value as the now canceled tournaments. Scheduling efforts are still underway, but the Disc Golf Pro Tour is optimistic about implementing these replacement competitions for the FPO division. And then uh, there's a statement from Jeff Spring. He says, competitive fairness is the underpinning of the disc golf pro tour, the professional disc golf industry, and all of the elite competitive sport worldwide. The disc golf pro tour is committed to the future of the FPO division in order to protect competitive fairness for the division. These changes are necessary at this time. We will not waver on the PDGA gender eligibility policy as we've adopted it for the FPO division. Uh, This said, I also want to affirm the concept that you can simultaneously respect and support transgender people and support competitive fairness for the FPO division. These are not mutually exclusive concepts, and the Disc Golf Pro Tour will continue to show respect to all people involved while thinking creatively about long-term solutions for these challenging issues. Um, Let's see... We'll skip a little bit. So they um, so they go through kind of a list of the adjustments to the Disc Golf Pro Tour schedule and media plan appears below. Any future updates will be announced at the later date. So Mid-American Open, no changes are currently planned. Disc Golf Ledgestone Open, which is the second Elite Plus event. Portland Open was the first Elite Plus event. This one is worth a lot more points as well. The FPO division at Disc Golf Ledgestone Open in Peoria, Illinois has been canceled. This FPO event or a separate FPO only disc golf pro tour event plus event with a different name is likely to be rescheduled in a nearby state for the same week. 
The Disc Golf Pro Tour intends to provide standard live and post-pro coverage and the event is rescheduled elsewhere and the opt- is optimistic about implementing a replacement. Idlewild, no changes. Deglo, which is one of the playoff events, the FPO division at Disc Golf uh, at Deglo in Milford, Michigan has been canceled. Pretty much the same thing as before. Also, the American Flying Disc Open, which is going to be played. Where is that currently played? Mid, is that Mid America? Or no, is that Rochester? Rochester? That might be Rochester. Rochester. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rochester, same thing. Uh, then you have uh, same thing with. Uh, oh, sorry. These, sorry, these silver events. Excuse me. Excuse me. I misspoke. These silver events, the American Flying Disc Open and the Discmania Open, these silver events, these are no longer Disc Golf Pro Tour events. Uh, they they will not, for FPO division, they will not be rewarded Disc Golf Pro Tour points. So they are dropping the status for the FPO division at these events. Uh, the MPO side of the tournament is planned to proceed as normal and reward points at the silver level. So these will now be uh, A-tier events. Um, and they will not have any live coverage or disc golf pro tour media for the FPO side. Um, sorry. I want to make that distinction. Uh, MVP open, which is also another playoff event. This has been canceled uh, on the FPO division and will offer MPO at this tournament. It will only offer MPO at this tournament. The disc golf pro tour is working hard to reschedule a new FPO only disc golf pro tour playoff event that will take place sometime between the 2023 pro world championships and the U S women's disc golf championships. Uh, the disc golf pro tour intends to provide standard live and post pro coverage as well on this. And then the championship as of right now, no plans, uh, no changes made. So the big, the big thing here is a couple events. They're trying to figure out where can they hold these events? Cause they can't hold them currently at, at in the, uh, states that they're in. And then a couple of events, they're just like, they are still going to happen, but we are removing status. So it does look like the FPO division will be playing two less silver events this year. And hopefully all these other events will be rescheduled um, in different locations as well. That is, I think, the hope by many. Um, Yuli, do you want to say anything real quick just to let people know? Um, no. So I know... Uh, uh, kind of a lot about this issue because of the last week in the players council and they asked us to kind of keep it, keep it quiet for now while they figure everything out. And so I don't have a lot to, to say about it other than I do know the pro tour is working really hard to figure out a way to make sure that events happen for the FPO, which I feel like is very important. Uh, I also feel like it's very important for everybody, especially players to understand like, we all kind of need to support the pro tour right now. Um, my, in my opinion, you know, we've talked about this before, actually Brody, how it's the pro tour is one thing it's FPO and MPO. It's not these separate divisions. And I think people kind of get ahead of themselves, um, in thinking that it is, and it's not. And so if we somehow lose FPO at tournaments, like it's a big, it's a big, uh, downgrade to the whole tour um it affects the npo it affects everybody and so i don't know i just feel like 
I saw a lot of clashing going on with a lot of people this last week. Um, it made me sad because I felt like it happened at a time where everybody kind of needed to come together and like be pro tour. And it, that, that it has to be the pro tour. We're all on the same tour and we got to be all going in the same direction or, and ideas and this and that, and the other thing that that all gets thrown out the door when you don't have a place to play. And mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel yeah. like that's important to remember. And I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most in that announcement was what Jeff Spring said about just because we want to follow this policy and we believe this is the policy that will make the competitive fairness or the make the FPO division, the most fair on the competition side. We believe this policy that we have placed will do that. That does not mean that we do not respect uh, Natalie Ryan or anyone. And I think that's a huge distinction. I think, or I think that was a very important point to be made because I think some people look at this. Um, and again, it it depends on what side of the aisle you are. You're going to, you know, have a little bit of a different, uh, tint, if you will, of what people say or what people are doing. And to me, I think the pro tour has looked into it. They've asked the players, they've come to the conclusion that this is what is the best thing for them to do to have the most competitively fair FPO division. And some players uh, went to Instagram and showed their support. Like you got to mention, you had Katrina Allen posting on her story saying, thank you to the disc golf pro tour for being willing to fight for fairness for the FPO division. Please continue to support them as they navigate this difficult situation. And then I believe also cat merch posted something similar to what cat posted on her Instagram as well. Now, Natalie Ryan posted something on her Instagram story in response to this. I'm not going to go through too much because it is very lengthy and I've already just talked, went through that whole disc golf pro tour announcement that was very lengthy as well. But I will just kind of, if you want to read the full thing, I think it's four slides total. Uh, you can go to her Instagram to read the full thing, but I will read the caption, um, that kind of, I guess, sums up natalie's response the pro tour just decided to cut the fpo field for five events this fall and while i've been successful enough in court to not worry about my attendance in these events but i will not stand for the pain they are causing all of the fpo players just to make sure they can still hurt me this decision from the disc golf pro tour is wrong and no matter what the eventual path forward is eliminating the division is not the solution the disc golf pro tour has made it very clear that they don't care about anything other than their money and their hate they have they they have well okay i'm 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 fixing some of the grammar here they have crossed the line so i'm putting out a public call for the allies on tour to speak up and despite what your sponsors have told you i have spoken to many of you out there and hearing your silent support for trans athletes is part of what keeps me going if you don't speak up now when will you so a few things to pull away from this And again, this is where I think depending on, you know, how you want to feel about the pro tour and their decisions, you will see this announcement. I didn't see this announcement as them saying that they are, you know, doing away with five events. It seemed like they were like, we are going to be 
doing everything we can to make these reschedule these events elsewhere. And then I also don't see this as like, they're trying to like get rid of the FPO. So I'm not really quite sure. Um, I'm not really quite sure what she means by that. Uh, And then a couple of things too, that Natalie said, you know, when she's talking about asking for allies that I thought was interesting if you go back to some of the things Natalie has posted in in response to some of the things that people have said to her, she kind of just belittled or just kind of told all the FPO players that they're not good and they just have to practice and get better to, to beat Natalie, um, which I thought was a pretty rude and disrespectful thing to say. And, and then the post that a lot of people remember is the one where Nally goes on to say, you know, they are all going to burn with me kind of where if, if it doesn't go my way, I'm bringing everyone down. Uh, I think that post has been since removed. It is one of those things where people don't forget, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, um, especially a lot of women, they have very good memory Um, and if you do, if you do something that kind of, you know, puts them in a, "Ah, I don't really, I didn't really like that. They don't forget that. And so I don't know how successful this call to action will be from Natalie, because I I feel like maybe Natalie has, you know, rubbed some people the wrong way. And the way that she has posted and talked about things on the FPO side, um, one thing I do want to know, talk about, and I don't know if you have anything that you can say on this matter, Yuli. So let me know one way or the other, but it partial refunds for tickets. If you have purchased tickets to go view tournaments, I think that is something that the disc golf pro tour does need to address. Um, if I purchase a ticket, I was expecting to be able to go watch FPO and MPO for that ticket price. If now I can only watch MPO, that is half the product. I would think that maybe some sort of partial refund would make sense for people that have bought tickets already. I would say also you might have to adjust ticket prices for events. Again, the FPO was a part of the product at these tournaments. They no longer are. If you continue to charge the same price, that does not make sense to me. You're not adding, you're taking away part of the product. You're not So I think the price should be adjusted for future tickets at these events. And then also another question would be disc golf. They aren't able to reschedule these events and they were planning on putting out three tournaments with, you know, FPO and MPO. So that's six pieces of content, if you will if now they're only putting out four pieces of content or five pieces of content, is that something that the disc golf network disc golf pro tour need to look into for their fans, customers, whatever you will call them. Um, those are, those are some questions that I think need to be raised when it comes to this. Yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of, uh, stones that need to be unturned and, and information that needs to happen. I think that, like I said before, I can't talk a lot on it, but I know that there's there's work being done to figure all this stuff out. Uh, to comment on the Natalie thing, like I said before, it's all one thing. This is my take on it, right? It's all one, one product. So when she says it's going to burn it all down, that involves the MPO. That's very disrespectful. I'm not 
pumped about that comment. It's one that I remembered for sure. And then to see your comments about the pro tour taking away, what, what did she say? She said that they were taking away all FPO or, or something. Mm-hmm. And it seems like she's trying to jump back in and I, I don't know. It's all a big mess. And I think that the pro tour is doing a really good job of trying to, of trying to protect the FBO division. And that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. There's a lot of attitude of like, if I can't play, no one else can, I'm taking my ball and going home. There's a lot of that kind of attitude going in yeah. and, and that's not really the greatest attitude for, for everyone involved. Um, no. Okay. So let's, let's, let's change it up a little bit. Let's talk about Paige Pierce. Um, we have a little bit more uh, information that, have, that has come out now about Paige's injury. For those that missed last week, Paige did end up getting injured prior to the PCS Open during a practice round. It was on one of those bridges that was kind of like in a, a semicircle. It was like an arch bridge. And it, it was re- raining in Norway pretty often. So a lot of times, you know, the grass and the wood was pretty slick. And it's very, very easy. I think that actually was the bridge in our practice round, I don't know if we caught it on camera, but I, I'm that was I'm pretty sure the same bridge that I kind of slipped on going up, and I told Ezra I was like, because Ezra obviously has that ankle injury that he's been dealing with. I was like, bro, take your time on this bridge. This bridge is super slippery. They later yeah. ended up tournament staff later ended up putting turf on the the bridge itself, which I think gave a little bit more grip, made it a little bit better. Um, but it does look like. Paige will be undergoing ankle surgery sometime next week. And as of right now, when she's planning on coming back, it looks like she will most likely miss several months before being able to return to play and the ankle, you know, surgery on the ankle. That is something that will be, you know, we've seen Val have something. I don't know how similar the two injuries are, but she did have ankle surgery as, or I don't know if she even had ankle surgery. Val, she might have. Do you know if she had surgery on it, or was it just a oh, rehab she situation? It pretty bad, yeah, rehab, yeah. Okay, okay, so no surgery. So, um, whenever you go under the knife, it is, uh, it is something that some people handle that way better than others. So yeah. it will be something that we will be kind of seeing how that undergoes. And I think everyone wishes her the, the, the best recovery. And I think we all hope that she can come back to form and compete as well. Um, but these next couple months from anyone that has been competitive at all in their life, I hope you guys are all, you know, sending your best wishes because the, the, these are going to be some of the toughest several months, you know, next couple months for her. It, it is so hard to, to, you know, sit on a couch yeah. and not be able to do the thing you love. So, um, and I know all of us are saying her best wishes. Did you have anything to add to that? Yuli? Nope. It's a long road to recovery for sure, but I wish her the best and injuries are, that's just that sports sports in general. Yeah. I will say that after it happened, she was in good spirits the whole time, which, um, which tells me that she's ready, you know, to put in the work and, it didn't look like obviously she's devastated inside, but uh saw her a few times out there and she looked like she was in good spirits, which is a good sign, you know? All right. Uh, president's cup president's cup. 
let's go through the results first. And then I've got some takes on what I think needs to happen or what I would, let's say what I would like to see happen. Uh, President's cup just went down. USA takes it down again, 11 and O now for the USA. They've never lost 11 and O Nate Sexton captains his team to another victory it was a little dicey there after the initial round one stroke play. They were actually the, the team Europe was actually ahead by one point, 14.5 to 13.5. But round two match play, it was too much for the American side for the Europe. Gosh, I'm all over the map. It was too much for the European side. The Americans played really great. Or should I say the, MPO American, the men Americans played really, really great. Taking down uh, Eagle won his match by four. The Paul McBeth, Lori Lettinen match was very, very, very close. Uh, you had Lori ended up missing a, a very short putt on hole, uh, I believe, eight, which kind of made it to where Paul could just kind of play for par on hole nine and win his match. Um, Ricky ended up actually losing his match. Calvin won his Chris and Vino tied Isaac won his match. And then on the women's side, Kristen and henna both won their matches. And I believe also Kristen and henna. Let me double check myself real quick. I believe Kristen and henna also won. Um, no, no. Kristen won the three point the four points, I guess from the previous round. So out of the, it would have been what? 11 points. Yeah, so out of the 25 points that Team Europe got, 11 of those points came from Kristen and Henna. So they pulled their weight, if you will. And it, and it would be interesting if there was more, if it was more split, like 50-50, I think, I think Team Europe maybe maybe wins. Well, for the longest time, that's what we had is we never lost any matches in the FPL ever. Like that's mm. why it was never close is because we, uh, USA would just dominate on the FPO side. I can't remember a time where we ever lost. I think this, I, we have to go back and look, mm. but I, I just can't remember at, at least like when I was on the team way back, it was like, those are guaranteed points. Now let's do our job type deal. Hmm. Gotcha. Um, all right. So these are, these are my hot takes, Yuli on, on, on the president's cup. The first and for, first and foremost, can we have this thing separate? Can this be a separate event? Because it is, it, it's a cool event. I think people definitely enjoy watching it. But it's the day before a major. It's, you know, everyone, the next day after the President's Cup, no one cares about the President's Cup because the European Open has started. There's no, like, there's no, is is it possible to have this thing separate? Is is it possible for this to be the, I I don't even like the week after European Open. And I know this is where it struggles because of travel, right? You have everyone here you have all the Europeans and the Americans here at this time, but is this event, could this event be big enough to where the top European and the top Americans fly in for the event? 
It has to be. It has to be. It would be one of the best events ever if they did it correctly. I think it's silly that it's done right before the tournament. I've, I've always thought that. Um, I think it's silly that they have the mixed doubles world right the day before the world championship. I think that's all that stuff is just absolutely silly to me that these could be great events separate. And of course, if you had it at a certain time, Americans would fly over there to compete and vice versa. The sports that big now it is. And if the manufacturers wouldn't make sure that it would happen because, and why, why I say that is because that's where you get your endorsements for the players to be able to afford to go over there and play. Um, I don't know. I, I'm with you on that. I mean, it just, we're playing 12 whole matches. Yeah. It's, it's like, come well, on, nine, man. Well, nine, nine hole, nine hole yeah, for then, match play. And then nine hole match. Yeah. Nine hole match. Like, what is this? The kitty, the kitty pool yeah. president's so, cup. Like, so let's talk about the like format. It. Let's talk about the format because I think the format mat drastically needs to change. I do not like the format the way it is. The first round I think is the stupidest format ever. You just put two Americans, two Europeans and you just play and whoever shoots the bet. No, 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 no. That's not that. That's what we always see. That is, that is just disc golf. That's disc golf week in week out is just stroke play. We always see that. I don't want to see that in this. I want to see alternate shot. Give me freaking alternate shot. Let me see how Paul and Ricky, if they even team up, I don't know who you would put. Maybe you wouldn't do that, but one that's interesting. Like I want to see who Nate Sexton decides is going to play with each other. That right there is something that we're all going to talk about and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe Eagle and Calvin are going to be playing together or Nick loss and Jakob or whoever it is. Give me alternate shot. We need that badly. And then also these need to be on separate days, right? Like let there be room to breathe. Let, let alternate shot go out the first round or first day. Everyone plays 18 holes, alternate shot versus another team. And then the next day, that's when you do your singles match play 18 holes. And I love that. That's, that's the format. Two 18 hole two 18 hole rounds that are match play. Um match play uh yeah, Friday, yeah, Saturday and Sunday or whatever. Like what what are we doing? Why why are we why are we not doing that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think it's great that it's that it's happening. I do. I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, can't believe this is happening. I love that it's it happening. It's so good though. I, love, I watched I it, it'd be so good. It could be, it could be the best. It could be like the Ryder cup is one of my favorite things to watch because, and there's no, there's no surprise that it's the player's favorite thing to play. Like I've, I've played in the president's cup a few times. It's my favorite trophy. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have great like pride in my country. It's my favorite trophy. It could, it could be a really, I I think it's got to a point, but It's still my favorite trophy. I think it has gotten to to the point. Yeah, and I I was just going to add on to that. I think I think now we have enough names in disc golf 
that going down the European side and going down the American side, these are big time names and something also that is very unique that disc golf could bring is the, the co-ed side of things. The fact that we're having MPO and FPO play on the same team, that's different than the Ryder cup um, where they have the Ryder cup and the, the Solheim cup, right. Where they have two separate events for, for men and women. Um, the other thing I would say that I would love to say, love to see is give me like the final day, give me those individual cards. I want to see, I want to see, uh, you know, what would be the best matchup, man? Probably Nick loss, right? Nick loss is probably the best European. I would say, yeah, he is. So like, give me, give me like Paul Macbeth and Nick loss battling it out. Mono e mono. Don't don't throw on another two people on that card. Like I just want one match going on that hole, and then another hole can be another match. Like it it was weird. It was weird seeing like two different matches going on the same card at the same time. To me, that's a little strange. That's all I have on Presence Cup, though. I just think it's one of those things where. It's almost kind of like if you're that if you're a coach and you're and you're hammering a kid, you're hammering the kid because you can see potential in him, and you're like, dude, you can be so freaking good if you just do that. That's why I feel like with Presidents Cup, it's like this event could be a really special event, one that a lot of people care about, the players, the fans, if it's just done correctly. And we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, should we jump into the European Open? Yeah. I think we have to talk about I think we have to talk about it a little bit. We have to talk about it. Um European Open round 1 went down today. Uh very gosh, man, there's so much to talk about. This is this is definitely Is it is it bigger than the World Championship? Uh, I'm trying to think. It might be a little no. bit just because No, for me, for like for um the way I feel about it. I think I think the fact that it's at the same course, uh, really the only big event that I play in Europe, the fans, there's a lot of factors that go into it. To me, it feels like the biggest major outside of obviously worlds matters the most, I guess, right? Like one weighs more than the other, but there's just so many things that the European Open does that's so well done that it just, gosh, like even just walking up to the first tee today, where you have like your own private walk up and everything. Like, I don't know, man, they, they do a lot of things really, really well, but what were your big takeaways, I guess, from today? Um, man, I don't even know. I, I honestly, this was the first major in a long time where I teed off on hole one and I had zero nerves until mm. my putt on hole one, <laughs> but my tee off, I was like, okay, <laughs> Like, I feel like this is fine. All right. Yeah. I'm in control. And I threw a pretty good shot and then I had like a 20 footer and I, and then that's when the nerves kind of set in. So that was surprising to me. I think it's probably because it hasn't been farther along in the tournament. And then you get the crowds. Hopefully if you're playing well, crowds build up, build up, build up. Um, what did I take away from it? Uh, I took away this, this is my opinion and I'm going to release it early. Who cares? Whatever. I don't think it should be at this course anymore. I think that the disc golf has outgrown the beast. 
Um, mm. I mean, we go through apartments, there's roads that go all the way through our course. And if I'm going to be judgmental about Maple Hill, I have to be judgmental about this place. We throw over soccer fields Fair. and defenses, um, over walk paths. Uh, when I think about the greatest tournament ever, like I have so many fond memories of this place, but I feel like at least at the majors, this is what I hope at least at the majors. And this goes for the USCGC too. I want to stop. I want to, I want an actual disc golf course. Like I want mm. a real disc golf course for our, for our, our tournaments. I mean, champions cup has that a little bit, right. But they're planning mm-hmm. on moving that possibly in the future. Like I want to have a course and a, a European open, a USCGC, whatever it is, if they have to move, that's fine. But I want them to be on actual disc golf courses, like phenomenal disc golf courses. And that's what, that's what I'm thinking. I love the beast. I think the beast is a great course. I think it's one of the better courses that we play. It's in my top five courses to play. It's fun as challenging shots. Um, the rule on 16 is absolute, absolute booty sweat though. In my opinion, I think that's silly. If you miss the dang you, island, you should be penalized and throw again. But anyways, you don't, that, you don't, like, want, that. You don't like the bunker rule. You don't like the bunker rule. Hate it. Absolutely. Hate it. But anyways, okay. When I look at all the great things that they're doing, but then I look at my surroundings and I see, like I threw a shot on a, on one of the holes that rolled 90 feet away. A guy walked over from the cart path, almost picked it up. Um, was standing in front of me. I had to be like, um, excuse me, can you move this way? And then he was like, went to grab the disc and hand it to me. And it's because we're right by a street. There's a bus stop right there, you know? And I, and that like kind of made me sad in a way, just because like we've come so far and this is the best we got. And it's amazing. It's amazing but I feel like it could be so much better. That's my take. Well, I might have, I have, might have some good news for you uh, in a little bit here. Um, but what we saw today at the European open, we saw the strongest field ever in the history of the European open on the MPO yes. side. You have, I believe something like two out of the top 13 or 15 uh, players not here. Everyone else is here. It is a very, very strong field. And we also saw a little bit more of a challenging course. You know, I don't think it necessarily maybe brought bogeys into play or made holes play more over par, but hole three, they did, they did adjust the, the, the OB there. I don't know if they talked about that at all on the broadcast, but the OB on hole three has been adjusted. It's a little bit of a longer carry than it was last year. And then they also did pinch in the OB on the left side. So if you are going for that big shot to get over the initial force carry, it is a little bit tighter of a landing zone. Hole seven, they also have a new tee pad now. It's back hmm, about 30 or 40 feet, and it's elevated a little bit. Um, I think that does make, obviously, there is a gap any hole that you're making the the player have to throw farther through the gap is going to make it a little bit more challenging. Hole 14, 
That is also a new tee pad as well. Another one where they moved it back about 30 feet or so. And it's a little bit elevated from the previous one. Again, not probably going to bring in bogeys or anything into play. Cause there's no OB on that hole, but it does make a hole that was fairly birdieable often by the leaders a little bit harder to get now. And then hole 15, I think is my favorite change on the entire course because Yuli, you're a perfect example. How many times did you go for the whole 15 last year? Wasn't here last year. Wrong person asked. So you went to zero. Y'all, you, you're a perfect example. You went to zero. Did you go for whole 15 today? Yes. And you birdied it. Um, I love the change. They moved the basket up and to the left. You can now see it from the tee pad. It's staring right at you. It is so tempting to go for it where previously a good shot on hole 15 didn't really give you a chance at birdie. And so, so many people just played the layup chip, chip par. And now we're actually seeing a little bit more of a score separation on that hole because you have more people going for it. More people are taking bogeys and uh, I love it. I love it as change. And then 16, 17, 18 are actually some of my favorite finishing holes as well. And I think those played really, really well today. Um, other things that jumped out at me today, Eagle now has a very serviceable forehand. I think before we were kind of talking about how he was just like throwing up shots with it. He threw his forehand on hole 10, which is a decently 330, 340 foot shot. I believe he's throwing forehand this year on hole two, where previously he went lefty backhand. He is now getting to the point of where he is able to use his forehand, not just for upshots. And that is something that we need to continue to kind of see. I don't think, and he's even talked about it. I don't think he's ever going to get back to his forehand, like what it used to be of where he was just slinging the thing like 450 feet plus, but it is a shot now that he's confident in and is willing to throw. And he actually had a really solid round. He had a stretch of where he birdied seven holes in a row, kind of in the middle stretch um, of the course today. The last big thing that jumped out at me, well, two things. Let me let me throw this one in. My caddy, Timmy, he's he's Finnish. He's from here. And I was like, is Omni a popular name in Finland? Like, is that like John or something? He's like, No, never, never heard anyone called that. I'm like, well, there's there's two people tied for second right now. Their the, their names are Omni. <laughs> So I don't know what, I don't know what's going on, but apparently that's not really a popular name. And uh, we've got two, we have Ani Arminen and Ani Rusinen, uh, both tied for second place right now, which I thought was interesting. Um, and last thing, last thing for me, that was, that was very interesting or popped out. And this was a stat, I believe Statman might've put this out. This was the first missed lead card from Paul Macbeth since 2011, his first time competing at this event. Wild, wild. Hmm. And he only missed it by one. He only missed it by one. He had a putt on 17 for birdie that I think would have put him in there if he would have made that, but he didn't. Um, all right. Question for you. We don't really do this that often. How many people on the lead card are going to be on the lead card tomorrow? You have Kyle Klein at 10 under. You have Nestori Tuckinen at nine under. You have Ezra Aderhold at nine under. And you have Ani Arminen at nine under. Let me just tell you real quick who's kind of behind them. You've got Paul Macbeth at eight, Bradley Williams at eight, Eagle McMahon at eight, James Proctor at seven, AB at seven, Adam Hammy's at seven, Albert Tam at seven. So how many, how many of those 
guys on lead card do you think out of the four would you say are going to be on lead card? One. Uno? It's probably that's I, I would say probably one point five would be the betting line. That would probably be the betting line. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, scoring obviously was a little bit lower. I would say this year than than um, I thought. A couple more people were going to shoot double digits, but you know, rain. The wind was a little up at times, but I think the course is playing a little bit harder. So we'll see. Tune in to the European Open, guys. It's uh, you know, yes, yes, we are playing in the middle of a city. They do do. I think for live, they do a good job of like covering they that, so you forget. don't know that. They made me yeah. forget. I got here. I hadn't been here in five years. And I got here and I remember and I walked up and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, because I, I'd watch all the film or, or whatever or watch the live last year. I just had no idea. I completely forgot. You're like, oh, yeah, there is there is a dad pushing his kid on a swing 15 feet away from this tee pad. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> she was having the time yeah. of her life. She was having the time of her life today. Um, all right, the future of the European Open. Here you go, Yuli. Uh, UC Maresma broke some news this. during the pref- press conference this week. Uh, I don't know if anyone really knew of this. I think he might have just dropped this bomb on everyone. He said that the city of Nokia will be building a swimming hole next to the hockey center and likely to have construction starting in the year 2025. So the way he views it is next year will be the last year that the o- European Open will be held at the beast at this course. Um, now there is a course just South of here that has been, um, you know, talked about by a lot of people as one of the best courses in the world. I believe it's, um, Oh gosh, help me with the name. You do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, well, it's where the power grip. Um, yeah, it's, um, hold on. I, I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, but the other thing that w- was interesting is they're actually right now trying to, uh, they're trying to get a world's bid. So they're going to be talking with the city of Nokia about that and just see what's going on. Because I think they are trying to put in a world's bid for 2025, which man worlds in Europe. Has that ever happened before? I don't think so. I think one time it was in Canada. That was, that was it. Can you imagine how many, were there more? Oh, well, you weren't here last year. There was a lot of people out there today. <laughs> there was, there was a lot of people out there today and it's a Thursday. So I'm very excited to kind of see what this weekend is going to look like uh, for the, the European tour or European open rather. Um, all right. A couple things, a couple updates from last week, and then we'll go into our picks. The Belize disc golf. We kind of talked about that, their situation with the uh, disc golf pro tour. I kind of want to read you a little bit about uh, actually size. Don't put this up. Don't, don't put up the, uh, don't put up the screenshots. I'm just going to pick out a few things to say. Um, I believe they, I mean, I believe they sent me this to kind of, give a little more light to the uh, on their side, I guess you can say, because the last that we heard was what the PDGA had to say about um, Rose, who was initially on the board. Uh, so right now there's, they're claiming that the disc golf pro tour and, and with diff actually are discussing uh, what went down. And uh, it looks like Jeff spring also reached out to Rosemary as well. 
So there's a lot of, a lot of new information. So some of the stuff is, um, the person who made the threat, uh, has been censored by the PGA board in the past and told me not to discuss the gender policy at a committee meetings or she would be removed. Um, the PGA never spoke to Rose about her statements and outside of Sullivan's emails still haven't our request to remove our affiliate status hasn't responded to. They also say that Costa Rica is looking to be removed as well. Um, it just looks like right now too, it's, it's, it's still just like a muddy situation. I don't think the PGA has come out with anything additionally to all this. Um, it looks like Rosemary's posts has been scrubbed from the women's committee page. And then also they're claiming that Rose was never told that she needed to discuss or she needed not to discuss or disclose any, anything from the meetings. Now that could be something though, Yuli, where maybe it wasn't verbally said to her, but maybe it is in a policy of like, Hey, and maybe she didn't read that. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with this. Again, it's just something that I think the PDJ needs to address themselves. But I just wanted to kind of bring to light that, there is a lot more information going about it and hopefully we kind of can get to the bottom of it moving forward. Also, I got a response from Greg Barsby's tweet. You remember when we talked about the Ford sponsorship, a hundred thousand, this is from Larry LeBond. Uh, I believe they messaged me on Instagram and Facebook and I had some people. Yeah. He was saying, he said, I, he said, I was the tournament director for the 2008 Pro Amateur and Junior World Championships in 2008. If Ford offered sponsorship, I knew nothing about it. And I have a hard time believing that the PDGA would have turned that down and said nothing to me. I was there and was working closely with the PDGA staff at the time. Bell's Brewing was our presenting sponsor for that world. And I believe at the time they gave us the largest amount of sponsorship money from a business that wasn't a disc golf business. They also sponsored 2009, yada, yada, yada. I don't know Greg and try to message him here on Facebook, but we are not friends and I'm not friends on Facebook and I am not on Twitter. Uh, this seems to be a rumor started to try and bash the PGA because people are mad with them over other issues. Uh, let's keep things real. Watching a lot of the complaining, it is sad to see how many people don't know all of the many things the PGA does and how silly I find it that these people want to tear it down because they disagree. So I'll have to kind of talk to Greg, maybe try to get a little more inf- intel on like where he heard that or how he knew before. that. So yeah, that's, that's all great that, you know, all, everybody wants to defend the PGA and everything, but this isn't something that like, is a new thing. This is something that's been talked about. As soon as you told me it, I had heard it a bunch of times before. Is it fact? I don't know that, but I do know for fact, because I know a lot of people who are in the PDJ have for a long time that they have turned down sponsorship money in the past for whatever reasons. It's there. It's there. They're probably good reasons, but mm-hmm. that is fact. Okay. From, um, from big, big sponsors too. Uh, last thing we have before picks Yuli 200 brother, the most elite and major starts of all time. None other Paul Yulberry 200 man. That's nutty. Is it 200? Is it 201 now? Or was it's it 201 with European, to, with European with open the European open? Yeah. Whew. Dude, I was definitely that is, surprised about this one. What, about what one? 
this stat, like they came out with another stat where I beat beat a lot of people or something. And it's because I played yep. so many tournaments. Um, yep. But this one was this one was cool. This one was cool because I was I I felt like Felberg and Avery played so many tournaments and they would always come over here and I never did, you know. And they had a big head start on me. So when I saw when I saw that I was creeping close to uh, <laughs> to that, that that's kind of cool for sure. Yeah, it's, it's been a in cool the game one. a long time, man. Yeah. It's a cool one too, just to show like the consistency, like being able to be out and play an event after event, keep the body in the position to where you can compete. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. So 201, man. Um, uh, let's see 300, huh? Let's see 300. I don't know how long, how long would that take you? That'd be like, God, that might be like another eight years. You could do that. You can do eight years. No problem. All right. Picks. Years. You you passed me, brother. You picked another winner. Doing this. Flip, flippity flop, flippity flop. You picked another winner, winner with Paul McBeth, getting you five points. James Conrad got you one point, and James Proctor got me three. Um, this will be an interesting week because this will be the first time that we do our picks with round one already in the books. So we have a little intel on where everyone stands. So it will be a little bit of a, it'll be a little bit different this week, but uh, we'll see kind of how it all plays out. I'll tell you maybe Kyle Klein might get picked and he might not have gotten picked previously. <laughs> um, Cause he might, he might have a, well, who knows? I mean, there's right now 20th place is only five shots back. 17th place is only four shots back. So there's a lot of people kind of jumbled up at the top right now, but majors are worth two, two times. And we also are not picking anyone from the last two weeks as well. So all those players are off the board. Um, Paul would have been a great pick probably this week, but he is off the board as well. So Yuli, you're in the lead. So I get first pick this week and I am going to go with Eagle McMahon. Is he on the board? Wait, I actually, I actually can pick him. Yeah, I am yeah. picking him. He didn't he didn't start great today. He didn't play great, but he really finished strong. And after playing with him in the skins match this week and being able to watch some of the coverage this week, it does really look like he is eager to to run this thing back to back. So I am picking him. All right, I'll pick Kyle. I'll take the okay. strokes. Kyle Klein. I'll take. I'm taking the strokes. I'm taking Kyle. Take the strokes. Take the strokes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I'm gonna pick. Uh... Are you gonna pick any dark horse people? <laughs> no. I can't. No. <laughs> I don't think I can, man. <laughs> I gotta pick. Uh, I mean, I gotta take the strokes. I'm a gambling man. I gotta take the strokes when you can. I'll take Ezra. Okay, Ezra, good pick. Um, all right, question for you. Uh-huh. Can I? Actually, I'll do that in a second. I'll do that in a second because I have. One, I'll do. I do two picks now, or do I can't remember. I do two picks, and then you do one pick. Yeah. Is that how, is that how we do it? Okay. 
Okay, so sure. I do have a question for you then. I do have a question. Will you allow me to take both Anis as one pick? You know what? Screw it. Yes. Okay, I got both Anis. I'm going Ani, Anis <laughs> times two. I like that. I'm doing Anis times two. And then my third pick, uh, give me James Pro. Oh, no, I can't pick James Proctor. Um, give me... Ooh. Wait, do I, I get go... Ezra Robinson too then? No, He's no, absolutely not. Just... He, he, is, he is down there a little bit, but no, absolutely not. Um, right. Give me... Where, where are we at right now? Has he been picked? G- give me Heinberg. I know he's I know he's down a little bit, but he had an off day. I'm I'm taking Calvin Heinberg. If, I, if I can get the, Calvin Heinberg, I'm I can take him. Is he's not he, on there. Is he he isn't? Oh, we haven't picked him. Am I reading this wrong? Yeah, we haven't picked him. Because no, we picked him right. we picked him three weeks ago. So we haven't been able yeah. to pick him the last two weeks. So he's sure. he's free. It's a good pick. All right. Last pick for you. I can't believe I got both Anis. Dude, I'm going to be cheering so freaking hard for Ani. I might ask one of them to cat if they need a caddy. Oh, I like that. Uh, it's such a crazy leaderboard right now because it, it is, is. It's harder, I think, to pick right now because some of the people that you would think that you would pick, they're kind of far down the leaderboard. I'm going to pick Alden. Alden Harris. Okay. All right. Those are our picks for this week. Let us know what you guys think, who you think is going to take it down the European open second major so far this season, big time, uh, big time implications, man. Lots of things can go down. And also, I mean, talk about being able to be one of the last people to win at this course. You know, obviously Yuli hates this course, but, uh, I love a lot this, of people, course. <laughs> this course would be awesome if they could just, you know, pick oh, yeah. it up, drop it. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know if I got anything else. I think that might be, I think we knocked out everything off the agenda. Is it, do we miss anything? Yuli? Was there anything else that was on your mind that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think everything can save for, for next week. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have tons and tons to talk about. We'll try to get some guests on next week as well. Um, next week, yeah. I am traveling on Wednesday to go Ooh. home. Ooh. So we might have to. We might have to there. do another Thursday then. We might have to do another yeah, Thursday maybe. then. We'll keep you guys in the loop. If you guys aren't following Tour Life on Twitter or Instagram, make sure you do that. That's what we'll kind of drop updates on everything. But we do appreciate you all uh, listening this week. We appreciate all the support. Thanks everyone for uh, liking and subscribing to the channel, dropping reviews, all that good stuff. We appreciate everything. And uh, we will see you guys all next week and uh, see if tour life can get in the top top 10 at major baby. We're kind of on the doorstep right now. Yuli kind of on the doorstep. Feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Little luck goes our way. All right. Yeah. You, we- <laughs>